Hi Hope Church, hope you're all doing well, it's good to be together this morning. Ben and I were just saying recently how we miss being together and so we're praying for you, we're praying for your families and um, yeah, may God this morning just speak to us, may he speak to me, may he speak to you, may he speak to your family, may he speak to us as a church. God is a speaking God, God is a close God, and this morning I believe he wants to say something. When I um, when I do my quiet times, I tend to pick the books of the Bible that I like the best. I like reading Colossians, I like reading Galatians, I like reading the Gospels, so like John, um, Matthew is an excellent one and and recently I said to myself no Natalie you need to try and pick you know pick some of the ones that you find a bit tougher and study them and and learn to love them and so I decided to to read Zechariah and if you know Zechariah it is a weird uh it is a weird um book there's all these strange visions like we've got a woman in a basket a flying scroll um we have uh, the vision of the four chariots and it's just a strange uh it's a strange book but it it's strange because it's so distant from our reality it's not using language that we use it's not um symbols that we have these days and it it can feel really detached from our 21st century kind of world but i read uh chapter 1 uh to 6 and you know didn't really hear from god of course that's what my quiet time is about and I came to chapter seven and I, I, I felt God speak to me big time. And that's really what I want to speak to you guys about today. This is a message that's like weeks in the making because God's so spoken to me about it and um, has really challenged me with it. And we'll look a little bit at chapter seven together um this is an encouragement as well that the word of god is such treasure and scripture says that all of scripture is god breathed also says that the word of god is alive and active so that means that okay maybe zechariah doesn't always seem like the most thrilling book but it's god's words it carries god's breath and God, through his Holy Spirit, has something to say to us. No matter where we go in in the scriptures, we can know something new of God. We can um, receive revelation. And um, God is just so good. He is a speaking God and he loves us. So let's go to Zechariah 7. I trust that you're blessed as well this morning. Um, we're going to read... 1 to 3 first, uh, verse 1 to 3 first, and then we'll do 4 to 6 after. So it says, In the fourth year 
of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the nine months, which is Chislev. Now the people of Bethel had sent Shereza and Regamelech and their men to entreat the favour of the Lord, saying to the priests of the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, Should I weep and abstain in the fifth month, as I have done for so many years? Right, we'll stop there. Essentially what's happened here is that there's a delegate, like a small group of representatives from the town of Bethel, that have been sent out from the group of Israelites and they have come to this panel of priests and prophets, if you like, and they come to them and say, okay, now that the temple um, is kind of back in construction, should we uh, keep on this tradition of mourning and fasting? Now, this tradition of mourning and, and weeping and fasting in the fifth and the seventh month uh, remembered the destruction of the temple. So now, of course, that the temple is being rebuilt, the second one's soon to be uh, finished, they come before them and say, right, should we stop? this tradition or should we keep going uh please help us delegates uh not delegates prophets priests help us out here what what are we to do what does god think about this and zechariah is on this board of of priests and prophets and the word of the lord comes to him and from verse four of chapter seven it says then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? And when you eat and when you drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Wow. This is when things get interesting. In this message that God gives through Zechariah, God doesn't give a straight yes or no. Instead, God asks a question. Now, I don't know about you, but it's happened to me before that God asks me a question to my question. I remember so vividly when I was courting Ben and so often I felt sure that Ben was right, but I wanted to know really, really what God had to say. And I would often ask God, is Ben the right person for me? God, can you confirm it? Can you please give me a yes in my ear? Can you shout down yes from heaven or, or no even? And I so wanted to know, yes or no, what God, what do you want to say about this? And I remember God giving me this impression, at least this is really what I felt. In, when I said, God, is Ben for me? I remember God kind of questioning me and saying, well, what will you be like as a wife? Are you ready to be a wife? Are you ready to commit to Ben for the rest of your life? Are you ready to serve him? Will you be his companion? And, and I, I felt God just 
come back to me with a question. And so often God, and he's so good because God asks us something, not to make us downcast, but to, to challenge our priorities, to challenge our sincerity, to challenge our hearts, our priorities, our devotion and our motives. And, and he's such a wonderful, gracious God because it's a time where we can assess ourselves and we can, we can change and be conformed to, to him. And so I remember this question. So coming back to the story, God asks them a question back. And it's so clear here that God is displeased with the people of Israel. He's so displeased because we know, don't we, that fasting is supposed to be a time of dependence. It's supposed to be a time of humility. It's supposed to be a time of repentance is supposed to be a time of obedience and truly listening to God truly praying and seeking God a time where we step away from our normal routines and we give it to God and even the Bible says don't let people know that you're fasting so it's something that's private as well it's something that's so holy and so before you and God before the individual and before the Lord and God is so displeased and he highlights it I wonder what their faces were like I wonder if they came up with excuses I wonder if they left quickly or wished that they could they would have never have come in and asked the question in the first place God replied to the question with a question God was so obviously displeased that in this uh, 70 year old tradition that they had invented. It's not a tradition that God had asked the Israelites to partake in. It was never a commandment. It was something that they invented. It was their idea. And in this time where they should have been uh, showing their devotion to God and praying and seeking God, it was all about them. It was all about their ego. It was all about keeping up appearances, the pretense that we are sorrowful, the pretense that we are mourning this sad time, this time where they should have been saying, God, sorry for for how we disobeyed you, because that is how they got into this uh, time of exile. And that is why the, the temple was destroyed in the first place because of their disobedience as a nation and their hearts were absolutely not in it and God highlights this in such a scary way. Can you imagine doing the same thing for 70 years and not ever consulting God whether this sacrifice was something that he was pleased with? It's ironic but true to human nature that these people were concerned about something that God had not commanded. But at the same time, they were neglecting what God had commanded. God had not told Israel to keep these fasts, but he had told them to obey his word. The only fast that God had ordained was the annual day of atonement. 
And we can find that reference in Leviticus 23, 27. There wasn't anything wrong with fasting on these days to confess their sins and pray for the restoration of the nation. But God had not commanded these days as fasts. He had commanded them to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with their God. But they were dodging God's clear commands while keeping their man-made fasts. We too can do lots of godly looking things, but not really obey God. We too can do um, a lot of godly services, godly looking services, but not be truly obeying God. We too can use all the godly looking slang, uh, lingo, I should say, and all the words, bless you, um, you know, we can give our money, we can do all these godly looking things, but never really truly be obeying God. We can operate programs, we can give to charity, but so often it's to keep up appearances and to feed into our sense of self, to quieten our conscience. We're prone to do the same thing. This is what God spoke to me about in this in in uh, chapter seven, that we too can so be like the Israelites. I hope that when we read about the Israelites, we don't think stupid people. I hope that when we read about the Israelites, we say, God, that's so like my human nature. That's so like my flesh. That's so like where my flesh wants to lead me. But Jesus, help me to live a life that's different from this. I pray that we don't look at these people with disdain, that we don't look at them so shocked and so in horror because we are so like them as well. We are prone to do the same things. Many Christians, and I can say me too, we can get hung up about keeping rules and rituals that the word of God never commands and we neglect dealing with our hearts before God. We can judge other Christians by outward appearance but, but tolerate things such as pride, gossip, greed. The Lord, I believe, is calling us back to a life of obedience and true devotion. Obedience is about death to self and doing the will of God. While sacrifice and ritualism in this context is the result of pushing your own will, it, it's always done for the person doing it. It's always, like I said before, to keep up appearances, to feed into the sense of self, love for self. God is calling us back to a life of obedience, back to a life of true devotion. We saw with the Israelites that they inquired of God uh, after 70 years. And so what does obedience look like for us? How should it look? And number one, I'd say, would be asking God, inquiring of God. I believe that we're at a, a very pivotal time in in our world, in our uh, spiritual life, where we need to ask God, what is it that you want? What do you want 
from me? What do you want for the church? What do you want me to do in your church? What do you want me to do in your kingdom, God? Just asking God. I believe so often we rush ahead and we never inquire of God. We can be doing the same things for 70 years too, brothers and sisters, but have we inquired of God? Let's inquire of God. Obedience looks like asking God. God, what do you think about this? God, what do you think about this? God, what do you think about that? God, what do you think? Not what do I want? God, what do you think? What do you want, God? Involving God. God, be in the driver's seat. God, what do you want? Where do you want to go? When was the last time we asked God what he thought? What he wanted to say? what he wanted to do in us, what he wanted to do next door with the neighbour and, and how we can be a part of that. God, what do you want? The second thing is knowing God. There's a wonderful quote that says, obedience to God is our expression of love to God. If you, I want you to show love not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. God wants us to know him. God wants us to know him. When we know God, we know that he loves us and we create this this close relationship, this, this close relationship built on his love, built on the fact that he died for us, that he loves us, that he cares for us. We can't obey someone we don't know. We can't obey someone we don't know loves us. So we've got to know God. And the third thing is just to follow. Follow in faith. Activate faith and follow what he says. And we can know what he's saying through the word, we can know what he's saying through the direction of godly people around us. We can know what he, he, he says and what he wants through the Holy Spirit. So following God, following what he says. God is calling us to lives of obedience, not to lives of sacrifice, not to lives of religion not to lives of doing, but of being for God, of, of obeying him and loving him and truly being uh, uh, close to him so that we can live lives that please him, live lives that please him, not just doing things, but living lives that please him. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. With ritualism, with works, with uh, sacrifice, it's so often about doing, so often about external things from ourselves. But God is looking for lives laid down lives like Jesus laid down. God is looking for our bodies as living sacrifices. Let's pray. God, I, I pray that this message would be a challenge, a challenge that is of you, not a burdensome one. 
but a challenge that is truly of you, God. And I pray that we would live lives that are obedient to you. God, you're not looking for things. God, you're not looking for external things. You're not looking for our our fasting. You're not looking for our money, God. You're looking for lives that are laid down for you. And in that, God, you can move. In that, you can you can do so much, God. But Lord, I pray that you'd bring us to a place where we inquire of you a place that we we know you and a place that follows you, God, before we do all these things. Lord, help us to be living sacrifices. Help us to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, holy and pleasing to you, because that's the proper worship. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, and may you bless them today. Amen. Amen.